be so very thankful that uh, folks like this on stage, various of our worship team members are willing to often go that extra mile to enable us to have the rich experience of worship, those that consistently work across the back wall to uh, make sure that uh, the right things are heard and projected on the screen. Uh, thanks to all of you who so faithfully serve in those various capacities. We deeply appreciate it. Um, I'm so looking forward to day. Uh, I have known for quite some time that Tony Friedis would be sharing with us from God's Word this morning just a little bit about Tony and Holly as we think of many expressions of God's grace to us as a church. Uh, roughly a year ago, Tony and Holly began attending Grace. They're a part of our, our family. They are missionaries with the Evangelical Free Churches of America. It is through uh, that institution that uh, Tony is uh, credentialed, and they have served as missionaries over the last 11 years, 10, those first 10 of the past 11 in Tanzania. Uh, Tony is, the official title is Community Development Specialist. Essentially, what he's been uh, traveling after kind of finishing the stint in Tanzania, now over the last year, traveling many places across the world where we have EFCA missionaries helping with holistic community development, teaching the kind of principles that were uh, exhibited in the work in Tanzania. And so we are just so thankful for their involvement in the life of our church. And I'm going to actually ask Holly, would you come forward as Tony comes to? I want to pray for you guys. I need to clarify that right away before you uh, panic too much. But would you come? I'd like to pray for both you guys. And um, you did have a backup set of sermon notes in case Tony uh, needs the help. Okay. Come, you guys. I want to pray for you. All right. Let's, let's stand together as we pray as well, just as an expression of your identity with uh, these dear folks. Father, thank you for Tony and Holly. Thank you for the commitment of their lives to you and that call upon their lives to go to distant places to reach into parts of the world that um, so many times many of us in the West, uh, we only know that exists because there's a name given to a country, but we know virtually no more than that. And yet there are countless people across this globe, uh, Lord, who um, need your love, need your grace, and need someone to communicate the truth and the reality of who you are. And thank you that we're in a day and time when that truth is explained and exhibited in countless numbers of ways, even through avenues of community development where very real, very genuine, very moment-by-moment -moment needs are addressed. And so, Father, we thank you especially for the gift that uh, Tony and Holly have been to our church family over this last year. And now, Lord, prepare us all as we move into a study of your word. And as the message comes to us through Tony, Help us to understand that it is really what you are saying to us because it's coming directly out of your word. Help us to know what the proper application for each of our own individual lives is. And, and God, give us the resolve to be faithful to what you are calling us to do in response to what we learn today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You hear me now? There we go. Yay. There is a God and he loves me. 
You know, it's, uh, yeah, Holly and I, we travel all over the place, and we're in a lot of different places, and we're the only ones in our organization that do what we do. So with that, we end up going to many different places. And uh, sometimes it, it is that Holly goes to one place and I go to another. We, we train missionaries and people in these communities and holistic community development. I just want to clarify, holistic does not mean crystals and all kinds of fancy stuff. Holistic is holistic ministry, the whole person, the same way that Jesus Christ ministered to people when he was here on this earth, physical and spiritual. Okay, well, it's, it's such a, a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to speak this morning. Um, uh, you can't even imagine when Jeff called me and said, Hey, Tony, would you be willing to take October 1st uh, morning service? And I was like, really? He says, yeah, I really would like you to, to, to take this, the opportunity to share the message with the congregation. Well, one thing I don't think Jeff realizes is you never give the microphone to a missionary. I can say whatever I want. You know, and uh, there's this thing that us as missionaries have uh, kind of among the, it's kind of an inside, kind of an inside joke, is that, you know, when we go to supporting churches, we have what we call the missionary three. And the missionary three is where you get to have three minutes in front of the congregation to share everything that you have been doing for the last 10 years and for us, it's like, how do you do that? So this morning, I am now going to implement what we call the missionary two. I have one hour to share about what we do, and I've got one hour to share God's word with you. Are you guys ready? All right. Well, the title for today's message is Go. The Disciples' Final Instructions. Now, the word go is one that's usually followed by a directive. In many ways, it's a bit harsh because it comes from someone who's telling you to do something. Go do this, or go do that, or just go away. Now, personally, I prefer the word going because I direct and define how that word is going to be used, and it's usually to my advantage. I'm going to do this today, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to Hawaii, or I'm going to Disneyland, Jeff. Whatever it might be, you get to direct what the word going is going to mean. And if I don't want to do something, well, then I say I am not going to do it. I still define what the word going means. Now, if I don't want to do something, and uh, let's just say that my mom was to say she wanted me to do something, and I said, no, I'm not going to do it. That usually didn't go well. It didn't go well for me. And if God asks me to do something, and I say to God, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, that usually doesn't go well either. I mean, if you think about some of the characters in the Bible that said no to God, it didn't go really well. I mean, think about, like, let's just say Jonah. Think about Jonah. God wanted him to go to Nineveh, and he said, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. Well, enter the whale. Getting thrown up on a beach in Nineveh. I mean, that's just disgusting. I don't, I, 
that's not something I would want to experience. So it really didn't go well for Jonah. So this morning, what I'm going to talk about is God's calling. If you think that God can't use you to do amazing things for him, then think again. If you don't think that God can use you to do amazing things for him, then I really want you to think again. Let's begin with the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission is for all believers. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This passage was written all believers. It was not just written to the disciples and for missionaries, those people that we send out to places like Africa or China or India, wherever it might be. This passage was written for all believers. In its original text, the word go literally means as you are going. The word go literally means as you are going. This means you're already moving towards an objective. So while you are going, then do this. Make disciples. Baptize. Teach them. And you don't have to do it alone because Jesus is going to be there with you the whole time. Now too often we want to ignore this verse because it sounds like we have to leave the place where God has us right now the place where we are serving, and go someplace else. It's not a blanket statement that we are all to now pack our bags and get on a plane and head off to Africa. Maybe for some, and that's where we ended up. We ended up in Africa, and that's what God called us to do. But God has a ministry for you right where you are, wherever that might be. Now, remember to always seek God's leading wherever you are, and he may change where it is that you are, and he might send you someplace else. And as you are going, you are to make disciples of all nations. Share the gospel with them. Baptize them and teach them everything that you know about Jesus Christ. And then learn more so that you can teach them more. I trained church planners in, uh, in Africa, you know, South Sudanese church planners, and one of the things I always tell them is, learn more. Continue learning. Learn everything you can about Jesus because from the moment you were born till the moment that you take your last breath, you will have been learning that whole time. Every day you learn something new. In most most of our situations, we can choose what it is that we want to learn. You can choose what it is that you put into your mind, and you can choose what it is you don't put in your mind, and it's up to you to make the decision of what that's going to be. The cool thing is that whatever it is that you're learning, 
will be with you through your whole life. It's not something anyone can take away from you. No matter what the situation, that information is going to stay with you. So learn. Continue learning. It's not something that can be taken from you. And I say this because I know many people who have been experiencing war and have been thrown out of their countries and they don't have anything. They had to leave with just literally what they were wearing. And so for them, that's important. That what you learn can never be taken away from you. So what should be the motivation for us to do what God's asked us to do? What should be that motivation? Why should we be going and making disciples? Well, let's look at the great commandment. The great commandment, which is Matthew 22, verses 34 through 39, says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. He said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment is key to obeying the Great Commission. The great commandment is key to obeying the Great Commission. We should want to go where God leads us because it is our ultimate act of love to God. It comes from every part of our being, our heart, our soul, and our mind. It's who we are. That is why we do what we do. That is why when God calls you, you are to go because you are doing it as the ultimate act of love towards him. Oh yeah, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, yeah, love your neighbor. I don't know about you, I've had some interesting neighbors, and they're not always easy to love. But it's a good place to start. Now, if I was going to, <coughs> excuse me, if I was going to commission my church planners from South Sudan this morning and, and, uh, I was to share something with them. I would probably share the Great Commission, but I would, I would change it just a little bit, and I would add a few di additional passages to prepare them for the ministry that they are going to be moving into. So I have what I call the Great Commission, but it's more from my perspective. And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to imagine just for a moment that you have been transported back in time. And you are now among the disciples. You got it? Okay. Now Jesus is commissioning them, and now you, to take the gospel to the rest of the world. Now I'm going to use some creative interpretation to show how I now see the passage from the perspective of, perspective of a career missionary. But it might sound something like this. Now Jesus is speaking. All right, guys. A little bit more modern, but... All right, guys. 
I'm going to go away, but I will come back. However, before I will return, you are to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. And as you go to all those different nations, take the time to make disciples. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, just as I have baptized you. Now, it's going to be hard. And you'll most likely get discouraged. And uh, you're going to be on the road a lot, so there probably isn't going to be a place that you're really going to be able to call home. But I understand that, because I really had no place to lay my head. Your focus shouldn't be on the things of this world, as they are, as this earthly home is temporary. But the home that I have for you is beautiful beyond anything that you can possibly imagine. In fact, I'm going there now to prepare it for you. When you feel like the burdens of this world are becoming too big to bear, find peace in that. I will always be there with you and I will remain with you tomorrow, today, tomorrow, and every day until the end of time. That might be how I would share it with my church planners. Now, if you if you noticed in the very last part of my version of the Great Commission, I brought in some things that I would really want my guys to be ready for, and one of them is I would want them to uh, to know about discouragement. The times where you're going to get discouraged and you have to press forward, exhaustion. You're going to get tired and feeling disconnected from home. Serving God is sometimes uncomfortable. God likes to take us out of our comfort zone. He likes us to do things that He is wanting to do, not what necessarily we are wanting to do. So what is your reaction when God asks you to do something uncomfortable? What should your reaction be? Now, there are times that you may feel that you're already doing what God wants you to do, and, and it's possible that you are. Most likely, if you're working and you feel that you're in God's will and this is what He has you doing, then you are doing what He wants you to do. But you might even say, you know, I'm doing more than my fair share. I, I work in the nursery, and I... At least once a quarter. I mean, who's going to do that? Or I work with the high school kids in my church. I even sometimes work with the junior hires. I mean, think about it. Did Jesus have to do that? In fact, I am doing so much that God should reward me even more than he already has. I am doing so much here in my church. I should be rewarded even more. So then what should my reward be? Have you ever possibly considered that you're already receiving your reward? 
ever have you ever considered that you are already receiving receiving God's reward? The reward for serving God is serving God. That's it. Your reward for serving God is that you get to serve God. You get to do what He wants you to do. You get to be a part of what it is that He is going to do. Think about it. Doesn't it blow you away that God, our holy God who created everything, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, who, by the way, formed a very first short-term missions team that took the gospel to the rest of the world. He chose them, and he's choosing you. He wants to use you. God has something that he wants you to do. Now, I think it's cool that I get to be used by God. I think it's amazing. And that, I hope, I really hope that that excites you, that God wants to use you. Now, even though God knows everything about me, you know, there's no secrets with God. He knows everything about He knows everything about all of us. In fact, nothing is hidden from Him. But He knows everything about me, and all of that ugliness, He still wants to use me. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. God wants to use me. He wants to use you. You get to be used by God. That is an honor. That is the reward. The reward is that I get to be used by God. You get to be used by God. The Creator. To do amazing things. Think about some of the men in the Bible who were used by God, like Moses. Now, Moses was shy. Moses admitted he wasn't a good speaker. And Moses, he didn't want to be used by God. So when God wanted to use Moses, Moses was trying to get out of it. But eventually he gave in. And God did amazing things through Moses. Or what about Paul? The Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was a man who got enjoyment out of watching Christians die. That was how he liked to spend his day. He was the most feared by the disciples. He was the man that was most feared by the disciples. But yet God had a plan and a job for Paul. God has a job for... Oh, wait a minute. I almost forgot. Have you ever thought about that Jesus was on a mission too? That God had a mission for Jesus? That while he was here, there were things that he was to do during his time on this earth. God had a mission for Jesus. And now God has a job for you. And God has a job for me. He wants to add your name to his list of amazing people that did incredible things for God. 
Imagine being on the same list as Moses, as Paul. God has amazing things that he wants you to do. You might be thinking that God wants to use me. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to serve God. I'm not Moses. I'm not Paul. I'm definitely not Jesus. I'm a contractor. Or I'm a nurse. I'm a teacher or a farmer. Or a student. Or maybe I'm unemployed. Or could it be possible that I might even be a fisherman or a tax collector or a doctor? Now, if, as I would say to God, if you're looking for our contractors, I'm a guy. I spent many years contracting before going to the mission field. And that's my thing. I love building things. And I know Jesus understands this because Jesus was a carpenter. He gets it. He knows the love for building things. In fact, he built everything that he created everything where we live. He created the earth. He created everything. Whatever your career, God wants to use you. Now one day, I want to be able to say to God what Jesus said to his Father. When Jesus prayed to his Father in John 17, verses 4 and 5, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Or in Paul's letter to Timothy, where Paul said, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. Wouldn't that be the ultimate lifetime accomplishment? To be able to to say to the Lord, I have completed everything that you have asked me to do. And now I'm ready to come home. There are times, as I said with the, with the uh, Great Commission, that I would say to my church planners, there's times where you're going to get discouraged. We're all going to get discouraged at some point. But never give up. You know, there's times where I just want to give up. There's times where I just yell out to God, I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting. Uh, It would have been so much easier for me to do the work that you called me to do if I just didn't have to deal with people. Wouldn't that be so much easier? I mean, have you ever felt like that? Work would be so much easier if I didn't have to work with employees. If I could just do it myself. Life would be so easy if Paul didn't give up. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.4.7, I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I kept the faith. To think that one day I could be standing before God and 
telling him, well, I, I did the best I could, but I got really tired. And, you know, I only have so many years left to like, retire, enjoy my retirement. But, you know, I got you covered. Maybe Pastor Jeff or Jack or maybe Marty. One of those guys. They'll complete the work that you gave me. No. That's not what I want to say. No no offense. <laughs> that's not what I want to say. <laughs> I, knew, I know Jack would do a great job. I know all these guys would do a great job. But that's not what I want to say when I'm standing before the Lord. I want to be able to say to God that I finished the race. I kept the faith. And now I will receive what has been promised to me. The crown of righteousness. I know that I was created for a purpose and I fulfilled that purpose. I've completed the work that you gave me. I brought glory to your name while I was on this earth and now I think I'm ready to come home. Isn't that, isn't that what you would want to be able to say to the Lord when you're standing there before Him? God promises us because a lot of times we think that if we're going to get involved in doing what God wants us to do that we're going to somehow fumble because we're not prepared for it. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Well, God promises that he's going to equip us to do what he asks of us. We don't go at it alone. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Did you catch that? Equipped for every good work. He is going to equip you to do what he calls you to do. I want you to think about something. When was the last time that you thought about what God has for you to do on this earth? When was the last time you thought about that? Or when was the last time you asked God what you should do with your life? When was the last time you asked God what you should do today? When was the last time that you did that? And you might say, well, I'm just tired and I try not to really think about that because my plate's already full and I'm really busy and I'll get that to I'll get to that tomorrow. Oh and yeah, let's not forget about retirement. I gotta enjoy my retirement. We're all busy. We are all busy. I don't know what your weakness is, but I know one of my weaknesses is procrastination. I am a terrible procrastinator. Sometimes I think that I've got plenty of time to do what it is that God wants me to do. I love the saying, never put off until tomorrow what you can do the next day. Never put off until tomorrow what you can do the next day. That's like the procrastinator's motto. I love it. I'm a project-oriented guy. I love build things. I love working with my hands. I love tinkering. I just, I, I could do that. My wife and my daughter can attest to the fact when I get started on a project, I can't stop. 
I could literally fill my life with projects and completely miss God's calling for my life. I have to be very careful or I could get to the end of my life and with my head down say to the Lord, whoops, I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. I, I didn't quite finish the race. I was close. I got close to the finish line, but I didn't quite finish it. Thank God for grace. Life is short. The older I get, the faster it goes by. If I'm going to do what God wants me to do, then I've only got this lifetime to do it in. I'll show you something here. Illustration. You see this rope? This red part here, this part of the rope represents our life here on this earth. The rest of it is, represents a timeline for eternity. And it goes on and on. Millions and millions of years. It's eternal. It just keeps going and going. It never ends. So often we get focused on this whole piece right here. We have to get all of those things. I mean, you know, you've only got so much time. Life is short. You better fill it with something. So we get focused on this and we totally forget about all of that, about eternity. Paul, when he's talking about running the race, he's talking about this part right here. His only focus is right there, a little piece of the rope. He doesn't care about this part. This isn't important. What we do with this determines this. It's that simple. What are you doing with this? What are you doing with your life? Are you living here during this little part, this little time, this little portion of eternity? Are you living in this time frame expecting, well, you know, God's going to take care of me through here and then, boy, it's going to be smooth sailing from this point on. It's easy to think that. But what are you expecting out of life? Do you want to serve God or do you expect God to serve you? Do you want to serve God or do you expect God to serve you? If you're expecting the latter, you're in for a huge disappointment. Remember that our time here is short. Look at the rope. Start small. Begin with what God wants you to accomplish in the remainder of 2017. If that seems too big, what does God want you to accomplish in the next month? If that still seems like it's too much, what does God want you to accomplish in the next week? Start small. Whatever it might be that God wants you to do, He will protect you. And He's going to give you the strength to do what He asks. 
God has you here right now in Canby, Oregon for a purpose. He has you here right now sitting in this church right here, right now for a purpose. And that's God's purpose. It's God's purpose. He wants to use you because you're his child. As his child, you are not a part of this world. You're different. And God wants to use you. Now, some of you might think, well, man, if I have to be different, then there's people that aren't going to like me. And some people out there are probably not going to like me. Well, you're right. It's possible that there's people that aren't going to like you. There's people that don't like me. I'm okay with that. I'm not here to serve them. I'm here to serve God. Jesus warned his disciples that it was going to be hard. He knew it would be hard. He told them, if the world hates you, keep in mind they hated me first. If the world hates you, keep in mind that they hated me first. So during those times of discouragement, our reaction might be to say that I give up. God, please come back now. I just can't do this anymore. And Jesus knew that that was going to be a struggle. And Jesus prayed to his Father. In uh, John 17, verses 14 through 15, Jesus prayed this prayer. I have given them your word, that the w- and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is that not only, or my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. God has you here because he has a job for you to do. I'm sure that when Jesus prays to his Father, as he did in this prayer, I'm sure that God's going to agree to it, because I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, when he's talking to his Father, you've got the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're like right there. So the conversation took place before it began. He's already discussed it. If he asks God to do something, God's going to do it. And he is going to take care of us. And he's going to protect us from the evil one. So no matter how hard it gets, don't give up. God wants you here and he can do great things through you if you allow him and he's going to protect you. I don't want to get to that part in life or that time in life where I'm standing before him and I don't want to not be able to say that I fought the fight and I kept the faith and I finished the race. Serving God is an amazing place to be. You get to be a part of something that God is doing and he is going to do it with you or he's going to do it without you. He's going to do it with you or he is going to do it without you. You know, if if God is using you, it's so easy to get to a point where ministry is moving forward or things are going great, and you say, wow, you know what? I'm really lucky, or God's really lucky that he's using me. I mean, pride gets in the way. Don't let pride get in the way. I remember one day thinking, God, you are so lucky to have someone like me serving you. You are so lucky. I mean, look at me. You're so lucky to have somebody like me here in Africa serving you. 
Well, thank God put me in my place. I just arrived in Uganda, East Africa, to prepare for a short-term team that was coming. They were going to work alongside me, the missionary. And we were going to go into South Sudan where they would help me to train pastors and church leaders in how they could more effectively reach their people and in their communities by meeting the community's physical as well as their spiritual needs. Opening doors that would otherwise remain closed because the community could now see that the church truly cares about them in the same way that Jesus cared for those that he ministered to. We have an amazing ministry. The stuff that we do is incredible. Watching communities transform, people come to Christ, it's amazing. But because of pride, I was getting in the way. Anyway, I arrived at the guest house where I was going to wait for these guys to show up, and I get out of the taxi, and I could barely walk. I think to myself, well, I just need some rest, so I'll go get some rest. Well, minute by minute, I got sicker and sicker. And I talked, I told the uh, guys at the guest house, the Ugandan friends of mine, I said, you know, I need to get to a hospital where I found out that I had contracted cellulitis that had quickly gone systemic. I wasn't just sick. I was really really sick well if you remember there's a plane out over the Atlantic coming my way and I am not going to be able to meet them at the airport and there's no way for me to contact them I can't even tell them that they are not going to be able to go into South Sudan to do the work that they were coming to do it wasn't going to happen they couldn't go without me it just wasn't going to happen well, that was my worst nightmare. And it wasn't that I was ill. I was deathly sick. My worst nightmare was that I was ruining a trip for these guys that were coming all the way out from America. The trip was going to be ruined because of me. So I was lying in my bed in a room that was no bigger than a laundry room. And some of your laundry rooms are probably even bigger than my room was. And I became very angry with God. I ask God, God, why am I even here? Here I am, doing the work that you've called me to do, and I'm here doing your work, and this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be sick, and this team's going to come, and I'm not going to be able to do anything to get them out. The root trip is ruined. And then I heard God say to me, and I know it was God because what he told me is something I would have never told myself. And he said, do you really believe that you are here to do my work for me? Do you really believe you're here to do my work for me? I don't need you to do my work. I will accomplish my work with or without you. I'm allowing you to be a part of what I am already going to do. I want you to surrender yourself because I really want you to be a part of it. Now think about it. If I don't allow God to use me, he's going to use somebody else. And by using somebody else, then I miss out on part of being, being the part of his amazing plan. Now the team went to South Sudan without me. They decided they were going to go, and they prayed about it, they felt comfortable, and they went. And South Sudan is not the place you want to go with, without somebody that has had experience traveling there. But they said, you know what? We really feel God calling us there. 
So they went into South Sudan and they created the model program for all of the rest of the programs in South Sudan. This team from America. The ministry exploded after that. We had so much going on in South Sudan because of these people who came and did it without me. It wasn't about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. I say that you know you're hearing God's voice when the voice is telling you something that you needed to hear in words that you would never say to yourself. God doesn't need us to do his work, but he allows us to be a part of what he's doing. He doesn't need us to do his work, but he allows us to be a part of what he's already going to do. He will accomplish his work through those who are willing to surrender themselves to be used by him. My hope this morning is that you are now seeing maybe a little bit differently the Great Commission and the Great Commandment and maybe through a new set of lenses. Maybe you can see where you do fit into the Great Commission. You know, missions, missions isn't a department in the church. A lot of times we think that, well, yeah, we have a missions board and we have a missions department. Missions isn't a department in your church. That's not what God intended. That's not what Jesus intended. You are the mission. The church is the mission. That was what the church was designed to be. It is the mission. God is calling all of us to go out and to, as we are going, make disciples. Therefore, as you are going, make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them and do this because you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And begin with your neighbors. Don't forget about your neighbors. Love on them just as you love yourself and you would want them to love on you. So allow the great, allow the one who created all things the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who gave you life so that you could be used for his glory. Let him use you to accomplish his work. It's an honor. That is the reward. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for the 